The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite. From the Crosley Studios in Race City, USA, here's your host, Kyle Armstrong. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite Podcast. This is episode number 50 here on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio. This week, I'm happy to have Adam Logan back here in the studio as a co-host this week. And uh, we this is episode number 50, so we've had a lot of requests. I mean, the number one request I get is, when are you going to get Chris Ferguson on the show? That's who you need to get. You, you know, everybody... When you're, whenever you start a podcast, everybody wants to tell you what you need to do and what you need to do. Yeah. And <laughs> we got a lot of producers. Out we got there. a lot of them. We got a lot of producers. You need so, to do this. Need to do that. Well, guess what, guys? So it fell into my lap today. In a way, uh, Chris is uh, going to be on here in a little bit. We're going to call him up shortly. But first, me and Adam's going to break down what happened over the last week and what we saw and uh, what's coming up here this coming week. There's a lot to digest. Actually, we. We both spent uh, spent the week over at Charlotte Motor Speedway at the dirt track for the Colossal 100, and uh, got to see Chris Madden win a lot of money out of there. What'd you What'd you take away from that? Madden's on it. He's <laughs> he's 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 on top of his game right now. He's uh he's gonna be tough to beat here in the next couple weeks. Um, you uh, won the first night, and then uh, backed it up on on Saturday night winning the the big 50,000 to win. So, um, he's good. And Larson's a badass. Larson picked up that win on Thursday night passing. Uh, who, who was it that he, he got around? No, he led the whole, he deal. led the whole thing. He led the whole I'm deal. Um, Madden passed Bloomquist with a few to go. That's where I'm getting. Yeah. When you watch that much racing in a few days it all time, comes it together. just blends. It all just, oof. but Madden passed Bloomer the first night, a few laps to go. Um, and then, Madden did the same thing on Saturday. Probably less than 10 to go. He passed JD in lap traffic. Kind of the same way uh, he did with, with Bloomer there on the first night. And then Larson just led from green to checkers. Over, Overton was um, trying to stalk him, but just, just could never get to him. So The track fell in his favor there on Thursday night there whenever, whenever Kyle Larson won it rained a little bit there was a little bit of a rain delay they rolled the track in got it ready and uh you know they got a 10 o'clock curfew on those weeknights checkered flag came out at 10.07 so I thought that was close enough yeah the, the but, they ran them races very well this week I like, like they once they once they started I mean there was no not a lot of downtime in between you know hot laps and qualifying and heat races and um, it was that. I mean, it was pretty nice. I mean, you had uh, you only had one support division. I think they had like six o twos the first couple of nights, and then six o fours was was supposed to be the last two nights. But Friday night got rained out. But um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Dylan, Dylan Brown picked up the big six o four win on Saturday night. So yeah, I want to congratulate Dylan Brown. I actually ran into him at lunch on Saturday, and I asked him. I said, "Man, what are y'all doing here? I, th- I thought y'all had a bigger race to run somewhere." And he said, "Well, this is a big race." And, About uh, jinxed them. <laughs> the old announcer they, jinx right there. He said he's going to win tonight. I told him, I said, yeah, y'all are going to win this thing tonight. I don't even need to watch y'all's race. I know you got it. But I did watch that race. It was a good race. It was a good race. They, they came to the front on the top. Jeremy Steele saw him, saw his line. He came to the front. Jeremy Steele almost picked him off there at the end, and that would have been a huge win for the Rock Hill South Carolina driver if uh, Jeremy could have won it. But congratulations to Dylan Brown, the Gaffney South Carolina racer for picking up that 604 late model win at the colossal there but uh you mentioned rain and you know, it rained on uh <laughs> and i think it damn near rained every night it did and it pushed us back on thursday and then of course friday it rained earlier in the afternoon and they just went ahead and rained it out and that i mean i was sort of aggravated with that hey, you, I, you told me that they could have raced it now i never i know they could there. have they they rained it out early and i said all right i'm gonna take nine off went to the house kind of it wasn't raining at my place and i'm like it must be over there. I never looked at the radar, but you told me the next day, like, man, they could have raced on it. It was a shame. I mean, we, uh, it was a beautiful night and you know, if they raced on it the night before they could have rolled it in. I know that they probably had to make a call knowing there was a curfew and, and there definitely was weather in the area, but there, it never rained the track. I was, I know because I had my camper over there we camped out over there and, uh, just wound up watching the, 
watching the other races going on across the country. I believe Farmer City was that night. We watched that race on TV. So that was that was pretty frustrating to not get to see a race there when I was on the property. Yeah, that's got it. a that's got it's one of those tough calls for a promoter. But I think hell Saturday it even rained pretty. <laughs> I mean I think all the qualifying was it was raining during qualifying. It was yeah, like rain, it yeah. was. Like the, it was right over the drag strip, like we were just getting the edge of it, and I, I think it turned out to be a decent race. A de- you, I mean, it was. I mean, you had a last lap pass, but you know, it kind of got one groove, and you know, Madden Madden definitely had a better car that night than than JD. Just kind of he got tripped up in lap traffic there, and Madden t- saw the opportunity and took it. Yeah, and my aggravation with that was uh, was also, and I guess it really ain't that big of a deal, but. You know, whenever they announced this race as the Colossal 100, I was excited, man. I was... 100 laps. 100 laps. 100, How many you know, laps we see? It was a 50-lap race. 50-lapper. So I was very disappointed. I, I called over there uh, three months ago and talked to somebody in the camping office and ordered my campsite, and I was like, man, I'm coming to support this thing at all, you know, by all means, because I want to see a 100-lap race on that track. It's been like 13 years since we'd seen mm-hmm. you know, the Colossal 100 where yep. Steve Francis won. And uh, I was like, man, I, I'm excited about this coming up. And, and I got there, and I'm under the impression it's going to be a 100-lap race. I love 100-lap races. You know, it's all about strategy and being there at the end. Being and, there at the end, saving so, your equipment. So about Thursday, I found out, I'd, I'd heard rumor that it was, uh, it was uh, going to be a 50-lap race. So I was, man, I was very disappointed. And I, <laughs> I brought it, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Mackie Flood down there in the pits after the race that, sponsors Bloomquist and and I told him I said Mackie did you hear it's only gonna be 50 laps on Saturday and he said no no I don't believe that and he asked Scott he said Scott did you hear it's only gonna be 50 laps on Saturday Scott said yeah it's just gonna be 50 just rewind the tape and watch it again (laughs) (laughs) so I guess that's what we're gonna have to do if we want to get the hundred out of it as as it, it kind of brings back when I was younger we always had this so I grew up in Alabama my home track was this uh Bolton Speedway and every year, their big race at the end of the year was called the Bama 100. And it was always a 100-lap race. And then this new new you know track management, new owners or whatever, so they wanted to bring it back. They called it the Bama 100. And on the flyer, it said 50-lap feature. <laughs> <laughs> My dad had called him and was like, well, how's it the Bama 100 and you're running a 50-lap feature? Oh, well, you know, by the time you, you hot lap – you qualify and you have heat races. You know you have four four heat races, and so you know they're they're fifteen laps apiece. So four of those, and then you got you got sixty laps. There. You'll have a hundred laps. And I'm like, no, <laughs> don't work like that. That's not what the Bama one hundred is. It's a hundred lap race. I I mean, I, I, they shouldn't have. I don't they know. shouldn't have advertised. It they as shouldn't have said laps. the colossal one hundred. I mean it. I just, they should have just said it's the colossal weekend, right? Just this is a colossal, you know. Hundred laps. I mean, that. the racers. I'm sure they don't. You know, fifty laps was you know good for them. You know, I think they hell you're racing for fifty thousand dollars. The first two nights you're racing for twenty five thousand, and they race thirty lap features. That's you know that's unheard of. You know, back in the day, I mean, you raced you know that hundred lap race. I was telling you, Bama one hundred. They paid five thousand to win, and you had to run a hundred laps. And that was, you know, you look at that now. If you win a hundred lap race for five thousand, you might get, you know, ten cars show up. You know, most races now that are hundred laps. I mean, you look at you, know, you got the show me coming up this, you know, in a couple of weeks. You know, they're paying fifty thousand for that. So hundred lap race. You, you know, USA as National, advertised. Yeah, you know, USA Nationals, a hundred lap race, fifty thousand. Lernerville, the Firecracker, one hundred. 100 lap race, they're paying 50 this year. They've usually paid 30. So usually those 100 lap races usually bring a, a hefty price, you know, paycheck with it. So, I mean, it's nice now that we're racing, hey, we're racing for 30 laps for 25. So that's, as a racer, that's pretty cool. But don't advertise a cost of 100 and race 50 laps. <laughs> I was aggravated with that for sure. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it was still, it probably, the outcome probably wouldn't have changed. I'm sure Madden would have dominated. But, I got a couple more examples that from from that, and we'll move on. So I was I was thinking, what if the World One Hundred just you know waited till about Thursday when everybody got there and had their campers set up and everything, and 
similar to how I was this week and announced, well, the, it's only going to be a 50 lap feature on Saturday night. They would probably burn that place oh, they'd down. Burn the it place would burn down. it to the ground. Oh yeah. They're, yeah. So I, I just don't like messing with tradition. So yeah. And that, like you said, that, that race, you know, it was, when was the last time we raced it? 13 years ago or something yeah. like that? At least 10 years. I want to say at least 10 years ago they had, you know, they had this colossal 100 and it was a big deal down here. So like you said, you know, tradition. it was a crown jewel for us that yeah. were from around here. And yeah, I went to all of them back whenever they originally. Yeah. Cause most, you know, it. the South really doesn't have a crown jewel race. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, not that I can think of, you know what I mean? Like you got Eldora that's up in Ohio The show me was out in Missouri, USA nationals. That was over, you know, up in Wisconsin, Lernerville had their firecracker, up in PA, you know, Eldora's got the world and dream, you know, so there was, you know, North South 100 was up in, you know, so like you said, the Colossal was the South crown jewel. That and the Blue Gray 100. And that brings me to another. Oh, yeah, Blue Gray. I'm, that br- I, that, I'm still thinking, you know, they always pay 10000 They should pay more for the Blue Gray. Yeah, I think so too. I think, uh, well, that reminds me. They got enough me. fans there. Oh, no doubt. That reminds me of, though, in 2002 at the Blue Gray 100. They announced in the drivers' meeting there that that they were going to count caution laps up to lap lap seventy five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Cook won that race that day, from what I can remember. But I just a lot of people didn't agree with that, and I know certain people that were old school fans that after that day they never went back to Cherokee because they felt like they couldn't trust the, the you know what they were going to come yeah. up with, make up the rules as they go, so to speak. So yeah, dirt racing, uh, we can't count, uh, count cautions. Just, no, you don't count caution laps in dirt racing, and you don't falsely advertise the amount of laps. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's all I've got to say <laughs> about that. You, I'm just, that's all i got to say about that one. So, anyway, how do we how do we digress from that? So I don't know, but, but I, I thought, I mean, for, for the most part, I mean, the racing was was good there. I mean, we also had other races going on. Last week too. We yeah, had, I was going to talk about some of those Castrol Flow the, races. The Castrol Flow races. They had a uh, Illinois Speed Week. It was kind of weird. I mean, you had two two options this week. You can go to you know Charlotte for the MXR races, watching you know you know twenty twenty five thousand each night, and then ended with a fifty. And up in Illinois, they had I think it was twenty two twenty thousands for the Flow races, and then. Um, Mars took over Friday and Saturday with uh, Farmer City and um, Fairbury. I think Fairbury paid thirty thousand. So, those were some good races up there. Um, I think what Friday night they had a last last corner pass by uh, a Turbo. very exciting finish. Probably that race was, of the year or the finish of the year. Anyhow, yeah, that was uh, Ricky Thornton. Yeah, that was a that was a hell of a move by by Turbo there. He almost he almost set him up there. It was it was pretty cool to watch. You got to watch the last five laps because Turbo kept showing his nose on the on the low side and you know coming off turn two on the last lap he's under Ricky so Thornton goes down low to kind of block him and Turbo goes around the high side and gets a good run and passes him right at the line. So that was uh, that was a pretty exciting pretty cool finish. That racetrack always puts on a good race like that. Um, uh, Shepard won um, the first night at, at Spoon River. Um, and then Dennis Herb Jr. picked up the the next night at uh, Lincoln. Lincoln. Those, those two look, to me, if you're just watching those two, Farmer City and Lincoln look like they're, they got to be twins. They got similar layouts. But uh, Dennis Herb won that one. And then uh, Bobby Pierce uh, finally got him a. He finally, a, like, made the show. He struggled all week. He, he needed that big paycheck. He finally got him a big one at, at Fairbury. And a shout-out also to the modified winner at Fairbury, Nick Hoffman, picked up that $3,000 win over Mike Harrison. He won Spoon River. He won those other Lincoln. races, too. But I, I, What did he do Friday night? Did he win it? He didn't go to Farmer City. He went no, uh, to he went a different, to Bloomington or something. Bloomington, like. that's right. He probably won it, too. I didn't. I didn't see nothing on that. We talked. If, if I had to, if I had to, guess. we called him and talked to him late in the night there on Saturday. We got his. Uh, he ain't missed the beat since we got, Speed Weeks. We kind of debriefed with him there, but I'll leave that to the. I'll leave that to uh, whoever was there and got to hear it. They, they're the ones that got to hear what he had to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, we had a lot of fun there Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. So at the after the race, I, I'll go ahead and go into that a little bit. It was. Uh, after the race, I was walking under the grandstands and I was headed to the pits just to just to walk around and mm-hmm. talk to people. And 
all of a sudden I was out, out of, from underneath the grandstands popped up a good friend of mine, CJ Johnson from Elkins, West Virginia, the car owner of Jake Hawkins yep. car up there. And I was like, CJ, what's up, man? And I got to talking to him and, and, uh, Lo and behold, he tells me that he's on his way from he, – he didn't even know he was coming down here, or else he probably would have reached out. But he came down, spurred a moment, last minute, found an Airbnb, which so happens to be across the street at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and it was in turn one one of those condos. Condos. And it was formerly Bruton Smith's condo when they first built all those. And I said – and he was telling me a little bit about us. Dude, we got to go check that out. I said, man, I'd, I'd love to see it if you don't mind. He said, "Yeah, let's round up, round up some guys." So I got, I called you, yep. rounded you yep. up. We got uh, got a phone call. I said, "Hey, get over <laughs> to the camper." I said, "What for?" He said, "We're going somewhere." I said, "All right, I'll be there in a minute." <laughs> I didn't let you down on that one. Did no, I? no, you you held up your end of the bargain. That was pretty cool to go over there. So we, <laughs> well, I think we all loaded up in the back of back get, of a pickup back truck. of a pickup truck. Go pulled, over there. Pulled across the street to the big track. We and, were waving at state troopers. Yep, yep. We were probably. Probably shouldn't. I don't mean. I don't yeah, we had a few, a few beers in us. So it you did. I, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had no, a no. few in, but yeah, we went over there and kind of felt like a. We had a good time. Oh then, yeah, it's it's pretty neat. I wish it was. We went there, and of course it's late at night, and lights on are not are not on at the racetrack, but still you can. You look out the window like, man, this would be a badass seat during the, the Coke 600. Oh, it I mean, it's right in going into turn one. $1,800 a night. Yep. And you can stay up yeah, there. Yeah, $1,800. You got it? He booked it for like two around $200 There's a night. For, well, there was a dirt track race, but that's still like that's a bargain. If you oh, got yeah. four people in on that, I, I didn't even know that it was a thing. Yep. But yeah, it's they, on my radar now. I've looked it up. Not that I don't think I would ever need to stay there, but it's it's a pretty cool little. It'd be it'd be neat like big NASCAR weekend because it's, it's yeah, but it's it goes, pretty, the price goes up. Oh yeah, the price goes up, but it's a pretty cool one because it's the first like the way they got them laid out. Like it's on the corner, like as you go in the turn one. So you got like your side windows. You see the trioval. You see them coming out of turn four, and like it it would be a pretty cool seat. And you can open the window on the sides so you can hear the. Cars. That's the only. That's the only. You can only open the windows on the sides on that one. What if you open on that one side of the. Uh, you fall out. Yeah, you can't. So all the other ones are just fully enclosed, basically. Yeah. But that one where it's on the side and maybe all the ones above it, you can open you up. Got the, stadium seating. But it was number one hundred and one. That was like that was originally Bruton Smiths, and man, if those walls could talk, there's been a lot of stuff that uh, has been said in that thing for sure. So. Anyway, that was that was very cool. So shout out to C.J. Johnson. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty yeah, nice, he, he hooked us up. Sorry, pretty man. nice place for a for a dirt car guy. For sure. Kyle Strickler, he came up and hung out yep. a little while, and I went and, down and hung out with him a little bit after a race. So pretty cool. A lot of fun. That was uh, that was a neat deal. So we did that. That was pretty much our our weekend there at Charlotte. I guess uh, if you got anything else you want to add, well, no, it was just it was pretty cool for me. I've you know, all, I going back. I used to race with all these guys, so I had a one of uh one of my asphalt customers from work. He lives he lives across the street, and he asked me what I was doing on um on I think it was the first night, Wednesday night. I said, just hit me up when you you know you want to come over to races. So I kind of took him around, and he was he was in awe, like just just the whole the differences between, you know, what he does for, you know, weekly racing as far as asphalt and doing the cars tour stuff. And then, um, you know, taking him around, introducing him to different racers, showing him up in the, the haulers and stuff like that. He was, um, he liked it pretty cool. That was, that was pretty neat to introduce a, an asphalt guy to, to some dirt racing. All right. We're, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. I got, a, I got a caller coming in on line one here. We're going to take him and, uh, Another sideless break. I'd like to thank Superior Pools of South Carolina, Chad Hovis, Tour V, Justin Perlman for all his hospitality this weekend there at Charlotte, and Earl Ramey Racing Engines, as usual, for what he does for us. And uh, when we come back from the break, we've got Chris Ferguson out of Mount Holly, North Carolina, on the phone lines ready to go, and uh, he'll be talking to us. So stay tuned. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. 
All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Me and Adam Logan are back here with you. We've got a caller on the line here, and uh, it's, his name's Chris Ferguson out of Mount Holly, North Carolina. They call him Fergie Time, and I'm sure he's got a few other nicknames as well, but uh, we'll stick to that one for now. And uh, yep. Chris, it's been a long time coming to get you on this podcast. I mean, you're pretty popular, you know, amongst our listeners. A lot of people are, when are you going to get Chris on there? When are you going to, you need to do this? And and it's, and it, I guess it just worked out today. So uh, anyway, you're having a record season so far, so it makes sense to have you on here at this time. So uh, welcome to the Forward Bike Podcast, Chris. And I'm a, I'm pumped to be on here. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, wish I could have, wish I could have drove up there in studio, but um, Mount Holly's, you know, about a three-hour drive from Mooresville <laughs> at five o'clock. So uh, just decided to, to call in instead. But next time we'll have to come do it in studio. Yeah, I agree. Or we can come to your shop and do something. We, uh... yeah, we 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 kind of started uh, branching out, getting little, little TV interviews out and about. We might have to start. Yeah, we should do that, that in this. You know, we got a, a twenty thousand square foot facility here at CFM World Headquarters. <laughs> yep, yep. So, uh, I'm sure we could probably pitch y'all in a spot here, and we could uh, do a video cast, so to speak. Maybe yeah. we could do it in the conference room over yeah, there at conference CFM. Conference room, yeah. Where you get <laughs> makes all his <laughs> the deals. And room, the funny thing about the conference room is it's uh it's located on the pool deck outside in the above ground pool. Perfect, perfect. I'll bring my speedo, and we'll just do a. <laughs> We'll just do an interview out there on the pool deck. Man, that's <laughs> Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, man, you uh you had a pretty good weekend there at Charlotte. I guess we'll start there and you just kinda tell us about your uh, podium uh run there on Saturday night. Yeah, we um we were pretty happy. The first two nights we were doing the features, just started a little too far back. On Saturday we really focused on qualifying good and we were able to uh we were able to get quick time and, and uh, win our heat race and start up front. And uh, me and Adam were talking about it earlier today at SRI. Um, we're the third best car. You know, Jonathan Davenport and Chris Madden, in my opinion, have been the first best two cars in the country. So uh, we were just a tick off of them, but we were happy to bring home a third after getting a fifth and a sixth the first two nights. From what I could tell, you were kind of closing in on there in the late stages of that race. I thought, and we've already talked about this. We've already went long into it. But it, but if that would have been a 100-lap race, I think you would have really been there at the end. Probably could have won that thing. Yeah, I think we had a good piece. Um, you know, I could catch them when they would catch lap cars. Um, and then when they would kind of pass the lap cars, they would pull away from me. So um, our Bloomquist cars really seem to be suited more for the 100 lappers, so I'd have loved to have a 100 lap race there, but, uh, you know, it it would have been nice to just see what we could have done in the long runs, but, um, you know, we'll take third for sure. It's just uh, just one of those things where when you have to race against the two hottest drivers, sometimes you're just going to be the third best. Chris, you were, you know, third place car on Saturday night, but like you said, you know, the two guys in front of you, Chris Madden, JD, I mean, Madden's kind of owned the XR series here lately at Bristol and, you know, winning two of them down at Charlotte and JD's having a, you know, a JD year. So like you said, you, you kind of found something for that Saturday in the, in the feature there. So that's got to build momentum, you know, moving forward that, you know, you're, you're close, you're not there, but you're, you're close. Yeah, I think, uh, that's one thing to say about that is throughout my entire racing career, I've had little moments where I've been close to, to being at the top level and, and close is, 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 you know, running third, fourth, fifth in the, uh, you know, Eldor dream world. Um, but I've never been close to where I felt like I was close everywhere we unload. You know, I feel like this is a whole different level um, you know, compared to showing up at certain races and running good. Now I feel like I'm, I'm right there on the verge of winning big races everywhere we go. So, uh, it's definitely a different feeling. Um, it's funny because we're, 
we're not disappointed with third, fifth, and sixth. You know, if you'd asked me that two or three years ago, I'd have been tickled to death. Um, but with us being right there and feeling, knowing that we're where we're off just that little bit, it's just a whole different level to race on, and it's something that I've strived for for a long time to be at the point where. I'm contending for big races everywhere we go. And it's not an easy feat. There's a lot of people that don't even get the chance to do that, but I feel like we're, we're right there on the verge of it. Yeah, like we were we were talking earlier, I guess well, it's, it's a compliment to you. To you, um, you, you kind of alluding on where you were missing it, where, where you – where you knew you needed to, you know, work on your race car. And I, I guess uh, at a point in your career now, that's got to be a good feeling that you're, you're running top fives, top threes, and you're just that, you know, you're, you're close, but you know, all the years that you've, you've, you know, get to get to this point. Now, you know what you need, you know, to maybe break into, you know, getting those big wins. So um, that's gotta be, uh, that's gotta be a good feeling, you know, knowing you got a top, five race car and then when you're you're off just a little bit you know where you missed it yeah it's it's something that you know for the longest time i I was searching for a feel that i didn't know i I didn't know when i went to you know big races i didn't know what i needed to feel i didn't yeah i never knew what it's like to be good in the slick for the longest time and and now i kind of have an idea of what i'm supposed to feel I, i have an idea of of how the car is supposed to drive and uh it's something that you know, if not a lot of racers reach that level, it's just, um, you know, you kind of, you have guys that get close, but you know, there's just a lot of people who, who search and search and never kind of get to that point. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's very, very hard to, to join that elite crowd. Like where Overton, Chris Madden and, and Davenport is right now. Um, and I feel like we're, you know, scratching the surface and hopefully, uh, you know, later on this year or here in a few weeks, I can kind of join that crowd and, and then not only join it, but, you know, stay in it. That's, that's the ultimate goal. That's the pinnacle of dirt lake model racing. And if we can do it right now is the best time to do it. I believe. I feel like you're knocking on their door right now, Chris. And it's, uh, it's, it, uh, so coming up in a couple of weeks to show me 100 at, at Wheatland, Missouri, you're going out there with a, a lot of confidence it sounds like to me and uh you've won at that track before and uh i believe you uh you'll have a good shot out there in a couple of weeks so what do you think about or what do you uh i guess what's your outlook going into that weekend and tell us a little bit about that track yeah i uh surprisingly i with with us never being there before when we went there in 2020 um they had shortened the event it was the diamond nationals and the show me 100 on back-to-back nights and we went out there the first night was the show me 100 and i've never raced there and we ran fourth which was a a, you know kind of a big statement considering you know that i'd never even been there and then the next night we go out there and, and have a heck of a battle with davenport and end up winning the diamond nationals so and then we come back last year um we me and Adam were talking about this too. We broke down on the way there. Uh, ended up coming from 21st to third on one night, and then in the Show Me 100, we were um, running fourth or fifth, and I, I broke a. The track was real rough, and we broke a drive shaft. So I feel uh, I feel like we get around that place really good. And then not only that, but I also feel like like what you were saying, the confidence we have going into this deal, I feel better than I ever have going into this race. And I really, I feel like I have a shot at winning and and not only winning, but I feel like we can go out there and maybe win, you know, a prelim or two before the race. It's just, you just got to keep riding it out. And, and, uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, what's, uh, what's going into your maintenance program right now to kind of stay on top of, uh, your, your engine maintenance and making sure you don't have any failures and everything whenever you go like coming up some of these big races and there's a lot of a lot of money on the line you don't want to have something something uh break and cost you a chance to win some of that big money so what's kind of going into that what's what are you all doing to prepare for it well one of the things is that we've never done before was we we take a couple weeks off in between big races and and uh 
you know, without me, I don't have full-time guys. So we had to make up for that time that we missed during the day. Um, so what we do is we take a weekend off when we need to and, and service the car. And, and over the years, we've learned the do's and don'ts. And, and it's something that, you know, there's guys that's been on the road for 10, 15 years. They know, but someone coming into the sport doesn't know. And um, just kind of getting to that point where you realize what you need to service and what you need to focus on and what you don't need to focus on, that really helps dictate where you need to focus on your maintenance at. You know, there's a lot of things that I used to do that I don't do now. Like, I mean, taking the taking the uh, ball joints out every week. I used to do that five, six years ago, and I don't do that now. We check them every week, but we don't take them all the way out and repack them. But you know, we check the wheel bearings. We check uh, we check just a lot of stuff, and and then the other testament is is having, you know, more crew guys. Like now, you know, I have David Chapman, Tyler Wicks, Derek Pope, my brother, you know, Tadpole, my dad. Um, not everybody's here every night, but I got a good solid system. And basically we have a check, a check over to do list and we do it every week. So it's, it's something that's, we've learned over time. Um, and we've refined it. And fortunately also, Another thing is, you know, now I have more sponsor help than I've ever had. So we're able to replace and replenish stuff when it's needed compared to four or five years ago when I didn't really have the help I have now. I was having to, to run drivetrain, run rear ends, run drive shafts, run, run a lot of the running parts a lot longer than you're really supposed to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing, you know, from all the years that I've traveled up and down the road. You win these races in the shop, you know, uh, your maintenance program, you know, because, you know, it's hard to overcome if you get there and, and something breaks in hot laps or, or qualifying, and then it just puts you behind, especially these days, it puts you behind the ball. So, like you said, taking that, you know, a couple weeks off and make sure everything is 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 perfect and and nothing's bent nothing's broke you got you know fresh parts on there that's that's a that that sets you up for a, a good start to the week exactly and it's it's something as you know it, coming into the sport you don't know all that stuff no. but after you broke it once or twice it's uh it's noted for sure yes yeah you get you know you get in a routine like you said you got your checklist there and then you know hey you know you're gonna take care of this i'm gonna take care of this and, and you get your guys and, and you get in a good routine and and then you know at a few months down the road and, and then you're you're a well-oiled machine and then like i said when you get to the racetrack you're you're content you're you're running top fives and you're not you're not beating yourself because hey we didn't you know like you said we we've, we've got a two-month-old drive shaft you know drive shaft in there that probably should have been replaced you know a few weeks ago but we just didn't have it but now that you got you know got your good sponsors and good crew help all that stuff gets taken care of and now you can focus on you know putting the putting the old fast setup on there and and getting up front exactly well let's uh let's take a quick break here on this on the uh, forward bike podcast on the speed sport podcast network and after the break here we're gonna change gears a little bit and talk about cfm esports what they've got going on uh the the vlr deal victory lane racing and as well as the spring fling last week which paid six thousand to win courtesy of schaefer's oil and we also happen to have the winner of the spring fling on the other side let's break so stay tuned right here on the forward bike podcast welcome back to the forward bike podcast we're here with chris ferguson of cfm esports and we've been talking some real racing we're going to change gears and look at the i racing world and how this has become a profitable side hustle for chris ferguson and and his drivers and uh, they had a big race last week the spring fling which paid six thousand to win schaefer's oil sponsored event and uh Blake Majulis picked up the win. Forward Bike Podcast was happy to sponsor a heat race on that deal. And I told Chris when we sponsored that heat race, I said, part of the deal is I'll, you know, we'll sponsor this heat race. And then whoever wins it, we'll interview them on the podcast. So uh, Chris Ferguson's here. And uh, we've also got Blake Majulis joining in. So what's what's going on tonight, Blake? And congratulations on that big win you had there last Tuesday night. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Uh, and uh, obviously, I appreciate everything you guys do for the race. Um 
you know, it's it's the biggest sim race of the year, so it's a pretty big deal that we got going on. And, um, you know, winning it back-to-back means a lot. And, uh, you know, it's just a big ordeal for everybody. You know, VOR, uh, Schaefer's Oil, everybody that puts it on. It's just a, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, a lot of hard work goes into it. So to come out on top, it feels uh, uh, really good and obviously rewarding um, after all the hard work put in. And, um, you know, with CFM Esports, we had a lot of customers and supporters in the race, and we were, we were able to show uh, really good speed throughout the whole week. So it was just a really, really good um, weekend overall. And like I said, just couldn't be more proud of my guys and, and everybody that ran up front and um, represented us well. And um, appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. So, so um, we know Chris is a very accomplished, real dirt racer. How did how did this whole you know CFM esports deal come about? Uh, it's it's kind of funny, you know. I um, and don't lie either. Well, I kind of you know I got, to, I got to dabbling around there in, in our racing. And, hey, you'd been you'd been and ran mine years ago at my house, and you kind of you kind of I did. I I put it. I kind of put it off. For I know. A couple years. I know. I did. I put it off. I knocked. I didn't really knock it, but. I just didn't have it, and I wasn't involved. Um, and then I finally, you know, the the COVID deal happened, and we all had to we yeah. all had to race at that point. So driving down to Kevin Dedman's house, and I sucked on uh, national television. And um, when I sucked on national television, I decided, hey, I need to I need to get better <laughs> at this thing. And then the first thing I did was I cheated, and I asked Blake Majolis and Evan C to help me. So that's. That's kind of where it all started. I got fired from my iRacing ride that year. There, it, it happens to the best of them. Yeah, I had a card painted up like Daryl because I was crewing on his car. So I was like, I'll do this iRacing deal. And that was my first time ever iRacing. And he finally called me two ways. and said, you make me look bad. And so <laughs> I got I got, I got, I got shit canned and they put Ethan Toter in the car. So I'm right there with you, Chris. Yeah, I sort of should have did, but I, I, I never bit – Unfortunately, I had too much pride, and I just went out there and sucked some more. So <laughs> I should have hired Blake, but and then I would have probably won every race on TV. But then, uh, but, but then I probably would have never wanted to get better at it. So eventually, yeah, eventually, I just like you did, and, and everybody else, we we finally spent a little more time on it and got better. Yeah, you've came a long way and brought. I mean, done a lot. You've you've built a heck of a, a couple of sim rigs you've built you've got that wr1 now but you built one out of a old race chassis before that i guess it's i mean to me it's just really been impressive to see what you've done in just a couple of years time with all that stuff i'm, I'm very impressed because i've i mean my sim racing history goes back uh probably probably uh since i don't know probably oh five oh four oh five oh six whenever i was playing at dtr and I had all maybe maybe before that, but just online back racing. On the, back yeah. on the AOL dial-up days. I mean, I I can remember <laughs> I can remember doing a lot of online racing back in those days, and wish I had more time to do it today. But man, it's it's pretty cool though to see how you're marketing this deal and everything, and uh, and Blake and Evan making some of those setups. Tell us a little bit about how you formed that uh, idea to, I guess, sell setups basically. Well. It all kind of started with both of both Blake and Evan. You know, they were complete opposites, but they were at the top level together. I mean, it was it's basically like Billy Moyer and Scott Bloomquist. You can't <laughs> can't really pick one or the other. You just know one of the two is going to win. And um, they were both building for other people. Um, you know, Blake was was building for D1RT, and then. Um, Evan was building for McConey and uh, long story short, I asked both of them, I said, Hey, like, you know, do you guys really know what you sell? And, and they're like, well, not really, but you know, we get paid pretty good. And I'm like, well, you know, would you guys be interested in, you know, using my name, but you guys being owners and partners on building your own setups and ha- building our own website and everything. And, um, you know, at first I think they, it's not that they were hesitant. They just, they didn't have a clue, um, how, how big it could potentially be. And I kept on telling them, I said, Hey, it's, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. Just give it a second. And, um, and then when we got the website up and going, 
and we went to Bristol that first year and won. And uh, whenever they realized, I think they realized, hey, like this is a legitimate business. Um, you know, then they all they jumped in a hundred percent, and then here we are a year later, and as you can imagine it's grown so much in a year that it, there's no telling where we're going to be at next year, but, but just, you know, reaching out to both of them and saying, Hey, let's, let's start a business together. Let's not work for anybody else. Let's do our own deal. Um, I don't really think you could script it any better. It worked out really good for all three of us. And, uh, here we are a year down the road and I'm pretty sure if you ask either one of them, I think they're both pretty happy with the decision they made. Blake, I want to ask you, yeah, are you happy, Blake? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of good points there. I mean, I think we've grown to something that nobody really ever thought we could have. I think, you know, Chris is, I don't think anyone really does it better than Chris, uh, you know, besides the marketing side. And, you know, he does a really good job in, in, in his real-life racing, and, and he really, um, you know, I owe all the credit to him in reality. And, um, you know, obviously I can sell setups and build and whatnot, but, you know, it takes – you know, a lot to to, to sell and uh, get your name out there, and he's helped me do that a lot. So, uh, I think we've grown a lot together as us three, and obviously, I'm super stoked with the decision. And uh, you know, I think we just keep branching into other other objectives, and, and it's just adding to the brand and, and growing as we speak. And um, you know, I'm really excited to see how it, it plays out in the next couple of years. And um, I think we'll have some really big events and, and some really cool stuff on the way. So, uh, you know, looking forward to it for sure. So, you know, I come from real racing, you know, building, you know, building or racing a car, you know, it takes time, you know, you got to get a driver's feel and you, and you work on that. So what goes into, you know, you and Evan or, or you, since we got you on the phone here, what, what do you, what, what goes into building a setup? I mean, are you, do you tailor it towards what you like to drive or do you, do you have some kind of idea and kind of like a, a baseline? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, you know, usually I, I like, you know, we test the setups and make sure, you know, they're pretty comfortable to us. And then, uh, you know, we have our own drivers uh, that drive for us and test the setups. And, you know, we get, a, you know, quite a few opinion-based, um, you know, for, for the setup in particular. And if, if all is a go, then we publish it and, you know, sell it to everybody. So, you know, we definitely don't sell junk, and we make sure that what we're putting out there is top of the line. And I think it's definitely showing with you know, not just my results or Evan's results, but I mean, Chris literally doesn't race on iRacing at all. Maybe a couple times a year, and he gets on there and literally gets a top five with our setups. And, you know, I think that alone is impressive, but also, you know, we have a lot of beginners that get in and use our stuff, and, you know, they're, they're making rapid improvements. So, um, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, obviously, um, to get to get the baseline set up down. And then once we have our testers try them out and they approve them, we publish them out. So uh, it's definitely a pretty unique cycle to make sure that we're selling the best. That's for sure. Well, that's a that's a good explanation of what you guys do. Uh, tell uh, first, I mean, I guess I've already congratulated you, but man, that was very impressive. Though I do have to say, I got to. Uh, Go up there and kind of. I guess I was probably seen on the broadcast. If anybody watched that VLR broadcast, we uh, went over there to the speedway, and Chris had his sim rig there, and uh, he didn't make the show. Neither did Kevin, so they all kind of packed up. And we stood around and watched pizza and watched y'all race. But I was so impressed with the line you drove, and and you were just able to pull away from those guys and won that thing by over two seconds, and and that was that's really unheard of in a field like that with that much talent, top to bottom. It sounds like Chris is trying to run the pressure washer back there in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it must be wash day in America. So, but yeah, yeah <laughs> congratulations, congratulations, though, Blake. And I just uh, tell 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 our tell our listeners how they could uh, how they can find your website and get a hold of some of those uh, oh, yeah. setups. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, anyone looking for help, you know, obviously they're more than welcome to message uh, our page on Facebook, Instagram, CFME Sports and Jewel C Speed Shop. Um, our website, CFMESports.com. Um, you know, obviously, if, if you're looking for any help, I don't think there's anywhere else, you know, there really is to go um, for the truest and best help there is on the market. Um so go check out any of those. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you guys doing this for us and uh, showcasing the Jewel C Speed Shop. 
think it's uh, definitely a cool deal to, you know, interlock uh, real racing and, and the high racing side of things. So uh, I definitely think this was pretty cool. Man, for sure. And I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out to do this podcast and, uh, me and Adam both were on iRacing, and we probably could use a little bit of help. So we'll get on there and a hit little. you up. I need a lot we of help. We both need a lot of help. I so. need, like, uh, traction <laughs> control. Can you build traction control into mine? <laughs> my God, I'm hurt. That's, uh, that's Howard we- Howard Weaver's department. Okay. Grip packs is what they call yeah. Okay, grip packs. Okay, I'm going to write that Howard one down. Howard Weaver specializes. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. <laughs> I need, No. But, no, I, I, I just remember <laughs> – like I said, when when the whole pandemic deal hit, like I dabbled in the iRacing deal, and then literally the morning of that whole that you know putting it on TV, doing that World of Outlaw deal, I got my whole setup that morning of. So I looked like a monkey effing a football out there that first night. <laughs> it was I was like, this can't be that hard because I've played video games and I've been halfway decent at those. I'm like, this can't be that hard. I'm like, oh my god, this is I mean, it's, this, real, it's, it's real. realistic. And then so I, I've. I've done it for about two years. So I'm, I'm okay. I will just say that I'm o I'm okay. But um, but I, lo- I love I love you're not quite on Blake. Majel's no, I'm not. Status. No, never. No. <laughs> no. I think there's like two people on his level. But it, it is <laughs> it it makes me want like I watch you guys and I'm like man I I mean they got this, they've got <laughs> I wish that was me exactly like. <laughs> But I've, I've kind of pretty much told myself, like, if I can just get on at night and just be competitive with my buddies, we'll be all right. That, that's the kind of way I look at it. But it, it is really cool. You know, that's the closest I'm ever going to get to driving a, a race car is this iRacing deal. So when I watch people like Blake and all these guys, it's like, okay, you know, that's – I kind of watch you guys and try and mirror what you do and try and replicate it. So it, it's it's pretty cool to see the success you got. And then now that you're, um, you know, building setups and, you know, that I can I can go out there and purchase and hopefully make me uh, a little bit faster and maybe I can be – Maybe on the same straightaway or lap as him. I'm not, or you know, I, I'm never going to be anywhere close to him. Yeah. So well. So. Yeah. No. I, I mean. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I definitely. I don't think there's anywhere better to go for help. And back to your point on the on the uh, all lost stuff and when they're putting it on TV and stuff. I mean, I truly believe that that would be a good. Um, alternative to the real life racing when you know in the winter time when it's not as popular um you know even if people you know i think it's i think a lot of people like the real life aspect and there might be some of the spectrum that think the the video game or, or simulator isn't that intriguing but um you know i think there would be a lot of interest if they start promoting it a little more you know i think like a winter series would be cool you know get chris and some of the big guys in it to run for some good money like they were doing a couple of years ago and I think it, it'd be really good for promoting, you know, not only iRacing or, or anything like that, but also for the real drivers and promoting themselves and whatnot just throughout the year. But, um, you know, hopefully that loop comes around sometime and, uh, you know, promote the simulator world a little bit more. But, um, you know, time will tell. I totally agree, Blake. And I, when I was there at Charlotte uh, Tuesday night with those guys and I was behind the scenes watching that broadcast, I, 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 I literally thought, several times to myself i said man sim racing is here to stay like this is legit what y'all had going on there with that i mean it's i mean it's even in i mean nascar i mean that's how them guys prepare um for them going you know they're going out to texas this week and all them guys they have sim time so it's pretty cool that you know it's kind of trickled down and anybody can do it and and that's that's pretty awesome Yeah, and point proven right there. I mean, if you go back and look at the views we had on the spring fling and all the promoting that Chris and VOR did, I mean, we had there were so many people watching that night. I mean, easily 600 plus, you know, throughout the night, 1,000 plus throughout, you know, maybe the A main, over 1,000. And, you know, obviously at once, that's a lot of people. So, I mean, there's no reason that if they promote that stuff on TV, you know, once a week or something and have these guys racing that, it wouldn't be good for promotion and, and get good views. I just, I really do think it would be a good alternative from real-life racing in the summer. But, you know, like I said, time will tell. I think the sport's growing as far as sim racing goes. I think it is growing uh, rapidly. But um, hopefully we get on that level one day to where, you know, it's, it's on a more televised, you know, platform. But, um, you know, who knows how that will go, really. So um, I got to put Fergie on, on the spot here. When we when you gonna uh, put Blake in uh, your car, your real car? Yeah. Well, I mean it's yeah. 
it's funny, you know. We, That's a great idea. I know one thing that we've Blake's always kind of talked about was saving up for a real one, and um, you know, he's also talked about moving down to Charlotte, you know, eventually. So come on down. I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping in the next, you know, couple years, some of these uh, dreams and, and talks become a reality. Because truth be told, you know, a year ago when I told them that we would have a successful business. I don't know if they believe me, but a year later, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I've told Blake in the past, I was like, Hey, you know, if you, you know, if you want to do some welding and you want to work on race cars and, and you want to, you know, opportunity to work and race in Charlotte's your place. And, uh, we talked about it in the past. And, and if he, if he does end up moving down here, you know, naturally, there may be an opportunity where we're at a test and he can jump in it. Now he's uh he's probably gonna have to save up just in case he blows <laughs> the deck out of it and uh, has to pay for it. But you know I'm not not gonna rule it out because some of the things that I never thought would happen has already happened and uh and you know it's just one of those things you never know what opportunities arise because we got some really cool things in the works for the sim world. Uh, also our sim teams kind of growing behind the scenes that people don't realize. And, and, uh, just like our at track stuff, like the WR one sim, um, there's just some really cool stuff that's in the works that, you know, there may be an opportunity out there one day for Blake to drive a Dirt Lake model. That's, that's cool to hear for sure. Well, Blake, I got one more question for you and, uh, we'll, we'll let you go. And I, I appreciate your time for sure. But like, um, I believe, from what I understand, you're out of the country. Tell us where you are and uh, and what are you spending that big <laughs> that big that big uh, winter's purse. Uh, it sounds like you went on vacation there. Yeah, well, I'm out in the Dominican right now. I actually had this plan trip out, or I had this trip planned out for a while, and then uh, I happened to win the spring fling, and I'm here. So. It honestly worked out better than you could ever imagine. So, um, you know, enjoying the time and then, uh, you know, get back at it next week, start helping customers and get ready for uh, the World of Outlaw Pro Series, you know, paying out over 25,000 cash and prizes. And, uh, you know, that's the main goal towards the end of summer. And then, um, you know, we can really celebrate once that's done. Well, sounds good, Blake, and I uh, hope you enjoy your vacation. Like I said, we appreciate you doing this podcast with us tonight. And uh, Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man, that was, that was pretty good. So, uh We'll take another quick break right here on the Forward Bike Podcast and come back and talk to Chris Ferguson a few more minutes, and he needs to get back to washing his car so we yep. don't keep him too long. <laughs> yeah, he's got work to do. Yeah, so <laughs> stay tuned. All right, we're back here on the Speed Sport Podcast Network on the Forward Bike Podcast talking to Chris Ferguson, and he's live in Mount Holly, North Carolina, pressure washing his race car with his brother, Brandon Connard, and, and they're down there just cleaning it up and getting it done. Chris, I, I I wanted to ask you about uh, winning at Bristol. You got to add your name to the winners list there, winning two races. And as rare as it is to win a race at Bristol or just run there in general, that's got to be a pretty good feeling, and it paid pretty good too. So tell us about that weekend there. Yeah, just really a great weekend overall, getting a first, second, third. And then, you know, we had a flat tire on the one night. We didn't know it was going flat, but once I pulled in, I realized we had it had an issue but it all worked out because uh you know when we had that flat tire uh luckily i pulled in instead of staying out there and totaling a race car so uh just to be in the history book there you know two years in a row the first win was the first win was really big um even though it only paid ten thousand it was the first win there in 20 years uh for the dirt late model and uh, and then to come back and and win a fifty thousand the year after, uh, just kind of really I feel like it's kind of put my name in the history books at Bristol, which is something that they'll never be able to take away from me, and um, something that not a lot of dirt late model guys are going to get the chance to do. So pickled to death with it. Uh, you know the the fifty thousand dollar payday was nice, but you know, being able to say that I've won there two years in a row and, and just, um, just happy to etch my name in that, that little bit of history there. Yeah. If you need me to, if you need any help balancing your checkbook or anything, just let me know. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's already <laughs> talked to Brian Conard about that. He's in a race. That thing's already spent. I know it's already. Yeah, it's spent. already spent. That might have been the wrong thing to say, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know it takes a lot of money to do this and uh, everything. And we'll get to your sponsors here before we turn you loose. I don't want to do that yet, but another huge race is coming up here in just a few weeks. Uh, just a few weeks away, really. Once you get done there to show me 100, I'm sure all focus is turning toward Eldora and that. And the uh, and the Eldora Million and the Dream that week over over a million dollars is on the line for the winners' purses that week, and it's I mean that's going to be just totally unreal. You talk about winning fifty thousand. What would Chris Ferguson do if he won a million dollars that night in Rossburg, Ohio? Man, I don't know. I, it's something that's almost unfathomable. It's uh, it's hard to believe that you know that we are racing for that kind of money. So then to think about what you'd actually do with it is uh it's pretty tough to imagine you know it's there's plenty of things we could do with it you know you could pay some stuff off um but at the end of the day it, that's a that's a life-changing moment in my opinion um for for really anybody anybody that races um you know for sure it would it would set us up for a long time it would help me and my dad and my brother out a ton uh it's just uh you know, we would we would continue on racing, but it would uh, definitely definitely uh, be a, a career defining moment. And the fact that we're getting a race for that's pretty amazing. But we uh, we got a car in the shop that we're that we've raced at Eldora and had a lot of success with it. Um, and we've been really going through this thing piece by piece, getting it ready for that event. And it's just for the next however many years that's going to be the race that everybody remembers. So we want to make sure that we're a hundred percent, 110% going into that race. Do, um, so, I mean, of course, million dollars on the line dream Eldor million coming back, but uh, you know, as a racer, you know, I always kind of like going back to our day, you know, when I was up and down the road, like we kind of almost treated every race like the same. Is that kind of your mindset? Like, don't put too much pressure on that. Hey, it's a million dollars. I mean, or, or do you, or, or is it kind of like, Hey, this is just another, you know, Saturday night race that, you know, we're showing up and we, you know, stick to our guns and, and, you know, stick to the game plan and, and go out there and try and make the, the car the best it is that night. Or, or what, what's your mindset going into it really? Yeah, I think my mind, I think you're spot on with the mindset. You have to really, treat it just like it's any other race um because if you're outside of your element too much uh you're just setting yourself up for failure so you know we go in i, I know i got to get my job done in, in practice and qualifying and then you got to get the job done in the heat um so you know going into the race you, you got to be aggressive but that's it's been like that in the last five or six years at eldora you have to be aggressive in the heat races um you know, I do. I do specifically have a race car that I race at Eldora that I've that I've raced there the last few years, and I run it a few other places too. Um, so, you know, going into this one, we definitely have we put a lot of time into every race car, but you know, this one with it being the million, um, yeah, that'll be the pretty much your first race back on this car. We put a lot of extra, a lot of extra time into it. Nothing drastically different as far as uh, the way it's built or anything. Um, but, you know, just making sure we cross all of our T's and, and uh, dot all of our I's on it and and uh, and just try to be bulletproof on every piece we put on this thing. So uh, the mindset, though, going in is you, you got to treat it like every other race at Eldora. you got to treat it like the world's in the dreams. Um, and, and I've been very fortunate the last two or three years to be right in the hunt every time we go there. So that's that's pretty much the goal is to put ourselves in position and then what happens in the last fifty laps is, is whatever happens, you know. They announced the they announced the format today for the for the million dollar race and it says it's gonna be hundred and one laps. So uh, I've always seen you right there the last couple of years you've been you've been coming toward the front there late in the going, what's that extra lap gonna extra lap? You got an extra, got lap, an extra lap, lap this time, so Yeah. I mean, it's <clears throat> don't pull that slider, know, man. Don't pull that slider <laughs> yeah. on ninety nine. Pull it on one hundred. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody knows we can see the scoreboard, so yeah. uh, hopefully we don't pull a slider too early. But I think 
you know, I heard some rumors that it was going to be 50, 60 laps. I did too originally, but, but I just saw that today and I thought that was worth bringing up. I, I think it's awesome that it's a hundred laps. It just, in my opinion, the hundred laps brings a whole new element to a race. You know, it, it brings the, the, the fuel burn off the, the saving, not saving your tires, but just tire management. It, it brings setup management. It, brings driver management it brings so much more to the table than a regular 50 lapper does and there's nothing wrong with a 50 lapper um but i think in those big moments some of the biggest moments we've seen at eldora and me and me and kyle watched it and you were there logan logo but uh you know like when scott passed um jd on that restart with however many to go 10 to go or whatever it was like in, and then in you know 20, we've seen races 2015 we're, green you're referring to there yeah we've seen so many races that in the last 10 laps something happens you know kind of like the dream also the dream in uh 2019 you know dell mcdowell coming on with five yeah, ago. Yep, it's just yep you you add that extra element and i think you know the 100 lap it just adds that and i i don't i don't think you quite get that with 50 or 60 because there's there's a lot of guys that can go out there and hold it wide open for 50, 60 laps, um, and especially up around the fence. But then when you start throwing in, uh, when you have to start moving around and then searching, and then then you have guys like Bobby Pierce with 20 to go that decide to turn it on and run around the fence. I just think it makes the race more exciting. Makes it- oh, oh, yeah, because like you said, you got the guys that, are, you know, whether they're they're not experienced in a hundred lappers or, or whatever the reason, they get out there and like you said, they go balls to the wall for, you know, as hard as they can go. And then you got guys that have been there for years that kinda of, okay, this is a hundred boys. Go go wear your stuff out and then I'm just gonna sit here and cruise and then, like I said, lap fifty, you turn that switch on and, and you go. I, I mean I remember I think the last trip the last time I was at Old Dora with uh with Landigan, um it was it was the year that um Overton swept that weekend, um, mm-hmm. that Saturday night. I mean, we were we were good for first fifty laps. I mean, Overton couldn't touch us. He was moving around a little bit, but it's it's almost like we were, you know, he was just buying his time. You know, his car was so good that year that he was just he was waiting for fifty laps. He he rode behind us and saved his equipment and waited till you know we, you know not that we wore our equipment out, but our car kind of faded there towards the end and he he pounced on it. So the, those hundred lappers. You're right there. You got those guys that will go out hard, or you got the guy to save equipment. So you know that mid mid point of the race, you got comers and goers, and then like you said, guys that wait to that last 10, 20 laps and, and then turn on the afterburners because they still got equipment left. So definitely the hundred laps races up there are definitely put on a good show. Yeah, Chris, you uh, <clears throat> some things you said there definitely validated my point that I was making earlier in this show before you came on the air and uh, i appreciate you saying that I, it really <laughs> yeah, validated my point so uh <laughs> he backed us up on that he one. backed us up big yep. time so uh anyway chris man we could uh we could literally probably go on for another for hours doing this and, and we'll just have to come back and do it another day and you know it's like we said there during the break we could talk and tell stories all kind of stories and some stories may not need to be told and some may but uh we'll save that for the book one of the these book. days <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, before we uh, before we turn you loose, uh, just go ahead and thank your thank your sponsors and who helps you get there, and uh, and uh, we'll see you uh, we'll see you for sure here in a few weeks at the at the Dream. I will uh, probably be to, I'll probably see you before between now and then. But anyway, thank those sponsors and uh, and uh, we'll let you go, man. Cool. I just uh, thank my brother first. He's out there pressure washing while I'm in here doing a podcast. So. Brandon does a lot for me. Um, Got to thank all my crew guys, my dad, Temple, uh, Tyler Wicks, David Chapman, Derek Pope, uh, Corey Tanner, all the guys that were there at, Cher- at uh, Charlotte last week. Um, you know, my, my family, my mom, my stepmom, the bur- both were at the Pearl Trail, my girlfriend, Jenna, helped out. And I uh, want to thank uh, all my sponsors, um, Live Oak Family Dentistry, Dr. Tim, uh, Diff Cram Machining, Schaefer's Oil, Doug Smith for everything he does, the Racing Warehouse, Joe and Jana with um, K&K Trucking, Heckles Plumbing, uh, Carolina Roofing, Potile Limousine Service, Rose, Rosewood Assisted Living, uh, 
Town Audit Construction, Vincent Sims Construction, um, uh, Exeldine, Valtrain, um, MRT Logan, Base Racing Fuel. Um, I want to thank uh, Sweet Victory, Kenny's Components, um, SRI, Stock Car Steel for everything they do for us. Um, all my product sponsors, I got a ton of them. Um, they know who they are, and I try my best to do social media posts for them all the time. Uh, and I need to thank um, the good Lord for uh, blessing me and, and uh, getting me to this point in my racing career. And uh, thanks to to uh, you guys for having me on. I enjoy it. And uh, like I said, the next one we're going to have to do in studio and, <laughs> and do a little, little video cast with it. Yes, yeah, sir. it was long overdue. This was episode number 50, Chris, and I appreciate you uh, taking time out. And that was cool to get Blake on here, too, and talk about the CFM deal and eSports. And uh, like, I, like I was telling him, that deal is really – it's it's here to stay. It's, it's going to be huge, and uh, I'm proud of what y'all are doing with that deal, too. So keep up the good work and uh, much success to you, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Good luck. Sounds good, man. Thank y'all. All right, thanks, man. We'll see you. This has been another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast here on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio, NASCAR Digital Media. For Adam Logan, I'm Kyle Armstrong. Thanks, Chris Ferguson, for being a part of the show, and Blake Majulis as well. That was, uh, I think that one turned out pretty good. And Let us know what you think. Leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. Give us five stars, and if we see your review, we might just read it here on the show. So, uh Thank everybody for listening and uh, come back next week. We don't know what we'll cook up, but we'll come up with something. We'll come up with something. <laughs> I'm sure we can think right. of something. We'll see you next week.